Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Happy New Year. It's uh, good to see everybody this morning. I was wondering what the crowd would be like today. How many people made it to midnight last night? Look at that. A few of you. All right. Fantastic. All right. So those of you that made it uh, past midnight, what time did you finally get to bed? One o'clock? Two, two round two? Two o'clock? So what time did you get up this morning? So, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. We have pets, and they are trained at a certain time in the morning. They're going to wake you up no matter what. And uh, it was like, I think I threw a pillow at one of them this morning, uh, from what I can remember. But uh, yeah, it's exciting times. Uh, it's great to start a new year. And uh, it made me think about a few things I wanted to share with you today. And before I jump into this, uh, a couple things I, I do want to say. I, I really want you to know how much I appreciate Pastor Ricky and Carissa and what great leaders they are. Um, you really get a great appreciation for them when you have to prepare a message yourself because it takes a lot of work. And he does this every week, week in and week out. And it's like, it's always on your mind. It's hard to do other things when you're trying to prepare a message. And he has to go through that every week, as well as lead the church. So it's impressive. And you get a greater appreciation when you have to put together something and kind of walk in his shoes for a moment. So thank you to both of you for what you do for the church. Would you mind giving them a hand? Yeah, I really appreciate them. And it's just a great place to be. Uh, one thing, too, there's a lot of new faces here, and I do want to just share with you. Um, a few years ago, I had, had, uh, I had some throat cancer, so I went through some radiation uh, treatment. So my salivary glands are still coming back. So you'll see me pause a few moments to take a drink. Please don't let that distract you as I go through the message today. Is that, is that cool? Awesome, fantastic. Uh, well, I was, I was just sitting there thinking, I was pondering on a New Year, and uh, how many of you are, are from up north or have been around snow and things of that nature? So maybe about half the crowd have seen snowstorms. As cold as it got recently, I was actually hoping it was going to flurry a little bit. And I know it's sacrilegious to say here in Florida, but I thought it'd be great if we had a little bit of snow. Because um, it's funny, one of those things that um, uh, fresh snow always reminded me of a new start. And it's like when I see a fresh snow, it's like, it's like being a kid again. I get real excited about a new start. And it reminded me of the time I was just, I was just pondering this time of, we uh, living this time with my kids. Uh, we used to have a couple acres of land when I lived in West Virginia. And when it would snow, that first snow of the year, it was fantastic to go sled riding with. And I had a blast. I don't know how many guys like to sled ride if you've ever done it or snowmobile. Okay. So anyway, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I would... Uh, throw my daughters on who were too little, they, I would throw them on my back and we would ride down our hill. And uh, I had picked up some great speed this one time. And guys, men, I hit this ramp and we got some air and it was awesome. And I was just loving it and laughing. She was screaming and I'm giggling. And as soon as we land and we crash, I'm just laughing in the snow, just, just having a blast, just being excited like a kid. And I keep hearing this muffled sound, daddy, daddy, daddy. And then a panic, and I realized we had fallen backwards where I was pressing her into the snow, so she couldn't even breathe. <laughs> so, but that's what always reminded me of, of a snow. But fresh snow, as I said, always does remind me of new beginnings and a, a, a new year. And I really want to talk about that today, just uh, with the new year. People feel like we always get a fresh start, and it's always great to, when things don't go maybe the way you want them to, to have a fresh start in life. And then we end up setting new goals and resolutions. So let me ask you, has anybody set any New Year's resolutions yet? A few of you have. We were with some friends last night, and they had set some res resolutions. And as soon as the uh, hour struck midnight, within two minutes later, they already broke the resolution. So have, have any of you broke the resolution that you've uh, set yet? Okay. 
So, well, it's, it's interesting too, because I know a lot of you'll set goals and resolutions for this year, but I thought, you know, what better time to revisit some of the tenets of uh, a brave church as we start off a new year. And, uh, you know, with the new year, we can still have the same goal, but kind of a renewed commitment to it. And if you remember what our mission here at Brave is, it's mentioned on the website if you don't know it and you want to read it, but I'm going to hopefully they'll put it up. But it's to lead people into a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what our mission is, to lead people into a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. See, it's about people at Brave. It's always about the people. And if you've noticed, if you're new here, what you'll get to notice is that these are fantastic people to spend time with. These are some of the most humbling and, and just uh, humble and just joyful people to be around and very welcoming. And everything that we do here at Brave is to bring people closer into a more intimate relationship with Christ. If you look at us from our church services, from the greeting to the worship, the message, the youth ministry, everything's designed for you to have an experience to come closer to Christ. Even the structure of our community groups and the participation. Think about it. Those of you that have been in community groups, how many of you have been enjoying the groups? Can I see some hands? A lot of you. Fantastic. Those of you that don't have your hands up, I'd encourage you to get plugged into one of the community groups. You'll have a fantastic time, and you'll really get to learn a lot about Christ and get to know people. All that Brave provides is to develop people in their relationship with Jesus. That's the whole thought process behind things. See, we're all part of Brave, so let me ask you this question. What's our personal responsibility within the mission? What's our responsibility as Christians? And that's kind of a rhetorical question, but just think for a moment. What's our responsibility to that mission? The answer to that is to make sure that we are developing our personal relationship with Christ first. To make sure that we're developing our own personal relationship with Christ. And the reason I mention that is how can you lead others to a place where you've never been? It's like owning a business. If you're looking to own a business and you've never done that, how can you teach another person to do that? You've got to first get around people who know what they're doing to kind of learn from. So why don't we become those people? What would 2023 look like for us and our families if we wholeheartedly pursued our relationship with Christ this year? How would things change? And I want to ask that question as we go through this talk today. And I just want you to ponder that. Just kind of picture your home. How could things change in your home? What are some things you'd like to see different going into 2023? Um, if, if this is our desire to really change and to have a close relationship with Christ this year, how do we go about doing it? Well, I want to turn to the scriptures to help identify the ways that we can grow a relationship with Christ. The answers are always in the scriptures. And the scripture I want to hone in on, and today I'm going to hone in on mainly just two scriptures. But the first one is Matthew 6, 33. And this is out of the NIV Bible. If they show it on the screen, great. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But seek first his kingdom. Now, this scripture leads us to the title of the talk today, which is called First Things First. First Things First. And I believe this scripture holds some powerful truths about developing a relationship with Jesus. And let's look at a few of these words and see kind of how they affect us. See, I, I want to I share some of the definitions of these words because I don't think we often spend enough time understanding the power of words 
And I want to give some context and some texture to this scripture today. And as I say that, I'm sitting here giggling on the inside because what you don't know about me is that I went to Catholic school. And when I was in the seventh grade, I had a third grade reading level. It's on my, it's documented. It is on my report card. My kids still laugh at that. And I'm sitting here thinking, here I am sharing something with you all. And we're going to get into some definition and vocabulary this evening, or this morning. And I had a third grade reading level uh, when I was in the seventh grade. Is God good? Can God use anybody? I hope that gives you some hope. Let's look at this phrase again. But seek first his kingdom. And one of the definitions I found for this phrase, it said this. It's putting God first when we worship him, when we praise him, when we thank him, when we trust him and rely on him rather than ourselves or on anyone else. Again, I'll ask, how would 2023 look for your family if Jesus was first this year? And let's be transparent here. Let's be really, let's be totally transparent. How often do we put ourselves first and do what we want versus seeking God first? Has anybody ever done that? So there's a couple heathens in here with me, huh? <laughs> a couple honest people, huh? All right. Well, let's break down these words and see what it's actually like, what's actually being taught here. And Pastor Ricky actually mentioned this word seek during our Christmas services, and I wanted to expand upon it a little bit more. The word seek is to attempt or desire to obtain or to achieve. Another word for seek is pursue. And we're gonna come back to that word pursue in a minute. Seek in the Hebrew, in the Strong's Bible usage, stated that it's to search out by any method. Seek means whatever it takes mentality. To seek something is to crave after it. And I want to really look at those two words, pursue and crave. As pursue, we mentioned, it's to follow or to chase after. What the word crave is defined as is feeling a powerful desire for something, to want greatly, to yearn. Crave, in my opinion, is having like a burning desire for something that you have to have and you won't be satisfied without it. I remember when my wife was pregnant with our uh, first daughter, and uh, ladies uh, have children. Did you all have cravings? Some, yeah, okay. Michelle's was pizza. So it was any time there was pizza, it was like there was this certain time of the week that it was buy one, get one free. So of course she wanted pizza, and she had to have the pizza. So what does the husband do? Make sure she gets the pizza, all right? So, but, so what happens is she orders her pizza, I order my pizza. We get the pizzas. She eats a slice of her pizza. I eat my whole pie. Now, this went on for the nine months. Guys, how many of you gained weight, sympathy weight with your wives during pregnancy? <laughs> Amen. So, but the craving was that she had to have it, so we had to get it. I also want to look at the word first. What does the word first mean? First means foremost. In time, place, order of importance. First is before anything of importance, before another thing of importance. Put the most important thing before anything else. It's always first things first. And the last word before I pull this together is kingdom. Kingdom is not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule. A kingdom, as I read in some of the scriptures, is a way of doing or being. 
A kingdom has a way of functioning, and it has a head, a king, if you'll, if, if you'll say. But it's not a democracy where we get to negotiate and get a vote. God is our head. We don't get to negotiate with God, though we've often tried to do that. So after breaking all this down, let's look at the phrase, but seek first the kingdom. I want to give some texture to this. Its meaning could be stated as this, and again, I'm not adding to the scriptures here. I just want to kind of give us another way to look at this so you can understand the power of the scripture itself. If we substitute some words here, let's look at this phrase here. But pursue, pursue, chase after, continue to proceed, and crave, have a powerful desire to want greatly, to yearn first before any other thing, the most important thing, the kingdom, the way of being and functioning as conferred upon us by Jesus the Messiah, his will. It's pretty powerful when you realize that what seeking is, when we want to pursue and crave, we have to have it. Now the question becomes, why are we doing this? Why do we want to seek the kingdom first? Think of this for a minute. Do y'all remember when you were pursuing your spouse, those of you that are married? Any of you are dating right now, you're pursuing the other individual. Did you not start rearranging things so you could spend more time with them? Is that an amen? Yes? Okay. Did you notice you started putting them first before other activities? Did you notice that the more time you spent with them, the more you fell in love with them? Did you notice that they impacted the way that you were thinking and your actions? Did you notice that as your relationship grew, you had a stronger desire to be around them? That sound like your relationship with your spouse? See, that's the way it is with Christ. By putting Jesus first, it alters the way we think and act. How wonderful would be 2023, how wonderful would it look in your home if you craved and pursued Jesus first this year? What would your marriage look like? What would your parenting look like? Great things happen when we put our relationship with Jesus first. So I'm gonna look at another scripture also to highlight this point. And this scripture is Romans 12, 2 from the NIV. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here again, I think it's really important to understand some of the meaning of these words so we can really grasp the significance of what's being said here. So let's break this down. If we looked at the word conformed, it means a pattern or a way of doing to conform oneself, and it says mind and character, and we're gonna hone in on, on the mind and character. It's behavioral, conformed is a behavioral is behavioral in, in accordance with socially acceptable conventions and standards. Have you noticed how the world's trying to affect the way that we do things? So, people are so concerned about being socially correct that they're letting go of some of their morals. See, conformity can desensitize us. It's like if you have a mark on the wall in your house, you might notice it in the very beginning, but the more you walk by it and accept it, the less you even think about it anymore. You don't even realize it's there. To me, conformity is like Play-Doh. 
Do y'all remember having Play-Doh when you were younger? Or, or your kids might have it now? I had the coolest thing. I don't know if they make them anymore, but they were the machine where you put the Play-Doh in and you press the lever down and you had different shapes. Joe, they still make those? Those things were awesome. And you got a little knife and you got to cut it off, you know, first time I got to play with a knife. So I was, I was making my Play-Doh shapes, you know. But this is what happens. After I made my shapes, I let them set aside and they became brittle, hard. They were rigid. They weren't any good for use anymore. And that's the way our hearts and minds are we become conformed to the world standards, the world systems. There was a Bible commentary I read on conformed, and I wanted to share this with you. Conformity tries to mold us into the way, to proceed, way of procedure. Here, this conformity mentions in the scripture is a warning that the world system, the popular culture and manner of thinking that is in rebellion against God will try to conform us to its ungodly pattern. Think about that. What do you see on TV nowadays? Have you, now granted, I've, I'm a little bit older than some of you, but I've watched how TV has moved in a different direction. Would you all not agree? There's some language on these shows that they, that they think is commonplace. There's some things that they're showing and, and, and backing and wanting you to just get desensitized to. And the more they show it to you, the less you, you say that's wrong. You just start accepting it because it's a, social, it's a social norm. You start to conform. So let's, trans, let's uh, contrast that, though, with the word transformed. Transformed is to change into another form. It's to make a thorough or dramatic change in form, appearance, or character. And again, we're going to talk about character. When used in this scripture, the NIV note states that it's a process. It's not a single event. And I think that's really big. It happens little by little. See, we're ten, we tend to be an instant society where we want everything right now. I'm watching people today that can barely put their phones down. Even when you put your phone down, you have this yearning to pick it right back up. We want things instantaneously. But that's not how transformation happens. A caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly, just happenstance. It takes a process for that to occur. And our transformation takes a process. And we're not changing shape. What's being really transformed in us is our character. And what character stands for, it's, it's defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. So the question comes down to, how do we make this transformation versus conformity? The world's pulling on us a lot, and we're around it a lot more than we are the word. So how do we make this transition to, uh, this transformation instead of conforming to the world? And the Bible states, it's by renewing our mind. It's by renewing our mind. So I want to look at the word renew, so we understand what renew is. Renew is to restore to existence. It's to refresh, rejuvenate. It implies a restoration of what had become faded. To me, it reminds me of, of like a fresh coat of paint on your home. And after the sun starts to beat on, it starts to fade and the color is distorted. See, to me, I believe we were designed to be something different. We were designed to be in this world, but not of this world but sometimes we fade over time. See, we were designed to operate at a higher level through Christ and not think as the world does. 
So where does this tension happen? Where's this battle between transformation and conformity, this renewing of the mind? And the Bible commentary states, the battlefield between conforming to the world and being transformed is, if, is within the mind of the believer. It's uh, the battlefield between conforming to the world and being transformed is within our mind. It states, Christians must think differently. The only way to do this is to renew our mind. The issue is we get saved. We have salvation, but a lot of times we don't change. We still operate by feelings or by this sense of we have to do something. The commentary concluded with, God is, a not, God is not against feelings and doing. God is powerful. He's passionate. And he commands us to be the same way. He commands us to be doers. But this alone is insufficient. The first question about something can't be, how do I feel about this? Or what do I do? Rather, the first question has to be, what is true here? What does God's word say about the situation? Not how do I feel. See, the world wants us to conform to its way of operation. Think about that for a moment. It wants us to see ourselves as victims. It wants us to be very proudful of the things we've accomplished. It wants us to be selfish, to really hoard things. It wants us to be more of a taker. It wants, it wants us to be stressed all the time. Have you noticed that? Were you, are you not, did you not have a lot of stress through last year, especially with your work environment? It wants us to be opinionated. When did everybody's opinion matter so much? Yeah, it's just, that's just my opinion. I was hoping you all get that. <laughs> that's one of those cheesy dad jokes. All right. It also wants us to kind of hold grudges, not be forgiving. It wants us to gossip a lot. Have you ever noticed that? How, things, how the world really tries to get in and change the way we act. Whereas God wants us to be renewed in our thinking, so we become victors, not victims. Where we become more humble. Where we're other people-centered. Where we want to give lavishly. We want to be peaceful. We're full of forgiveness. See, these things are all freeing, as Pastor Ricky's going to talk about later, but those are freeing things. So if we pull these two scriptures together and developing a transformational relationship with Jesus by the renewing of our mind, we need to seek him first. We need to put first things first. We need to pursue this relationship at any cost. And we need to crave to be with him. So this boils down to one main area that I really want to talk about today. So it took me walking you through those scriptures to get to this point because I want to help us or aid us in developing this relationship and it is going to be challenging for a lot of us. The reason I say that, the thing that's going to determine this, it's going to be how we use our time or you might say your calendar. How's your calendar structure going in for 2023? Time, how are we spending it? Pastor Ricky shared something with me here recently, and you might talk on this at some point, but somebody said to him about how times are idle. We think we own the time. We think we own our own time. Who really owns the time? God owns the time, but we think we do. So we need to really look at how we structure our calendar and where we put our priorities. If we were to pursue Christ first, we need time set aside to read the word, to pray, and to worship during the morning. First things first. And I know that doesn't fit everyone's schedule, and I'm getting pushback in your mind right now. And I'll, I'll take care of that here in a second, because this is not to be a burden upon you. This should be freeing to you. But I encourage you to think about that. 
with everything that's going on in people's lives, with your jobs, the children, and just tiredness, uh, sports and all that, it's difficult sometimes to get up early enough to spend time with the Lord first. The biggest key to me is that you're getting quality time at some point so that the Holy Spirit can unveil truths to you that are in the word. Because these truths can transform your way of thinking and doing and allow you to perceive the conformity that the world wants to demand upon you. The biggest thing is to find out what God's word says and make it final in our lives. But the reason I mentioned the morning first is because if you notice that, that what you put, put in yourself first in the morning, first in the day, tends to affect your way of thinking and attitude throughout the day. Have you noticed that? If there's struggles or whatever's going on early in the morning, how's your day? How's your attitude throughout the rest of the day? See, I want you to realize we were designed with a purpose and God gave us life. It's like a machine. Think about it this. A machine has a purpose. It has an operational man, an operation uh, manual, which I don't read the operation manuals, manuals. I'm one of those that don't read directions. Do we have anybody that doesn't read directions in here, a couple of you? Okay, I have no way of a lot of engineers. You probably read every direction. <laughs> I don't read the directions really well. And what will happen is if, if the directions aren't followed, the machine, the gears will wear upon themselves till they wear them out, and then it will no longer function. It won't be of any use anymore. And see, that's kind of how we're designed. We have an operating manual called the Bible. And if you follow it and, and spend time in it and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, and we'll start operating properly. If you're not following what the Word says or spending time in there, you don't know how to operate, and you'll start wearing your gears, and you'll get wore out. And let me ask you, how many got wore out last year? Know the answer, absolutely. That's why we need to spend time in the Word. See, by conforming to the worldly ways, we are giving over our power. There is power in a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ died for us and has given us access to this wonderful, beautiful kingdom. The world wants us to conform to its ideas of being all about us and our efforts, you know, where the kingdom is about Jesus and what he's done for us. It's not about us earning anything. You can't earn this. It's about the, his love for us. The world wants it to be about us earning things all the time. That's not how it is with Christ. It's so freeing. It's about the love of God for mankind. And when you start meditating on his love, you will notice a transformation in yourself. And as you start to transform, you notice you become more loving. You're more joyful. You're more patient with your spouse and your children. You're more peaceful. You're kind to people. You seem to be good to others. This gentleness seems that there's a gentleness that just seems to take over. And people notice that. So how would this transformation affect your home? By investing time in a relationship with Jesus and putting him first, you notice the fruits of, your spirit, fruits of the Spirit showing forth in your life. Now, who wants that type of life versus the conformed life of the world? And I want more peace. I want more patience. I want more gentleness in my home. This transformation even influences how you see your talents and treasures. You see yourself wanting to offer your talents as a way to give back and serve others as you build your relationship with Christ. You see it as a way that you can be kind and helpful in furthering the kingdom. 
do you realize this? Your talents affect others' relationships with Christ. Example, serving here. Look at what goes on here. The worship team. How phenomenal was our worship? Do you not feel like you're ushered in the presence of God? It's so refreshing to come in here and worship. The setup team. How much time they put into setting up this environment so that we can come in and have an experience where we're focused on the word, not about oh, the seat. where's the seat? Is it uncomfortable? Can I see? They take a lot of time to set it up so that you have a good environment. Community group leaders, they spend a lot of time prepping and preparing so that they can go ahead and help you have a good experience and impact your relationship with Christ. See, by putting Jesus first and renewing your mind, your talents have a major impact on other people when you want to share those talents with others. Also, as your relationship with Christ strengthens, you notice it affects the way that you see your treasures. It allows you to see that all you have is a gift from God. Your abilities have been given to you. Sometimes we think it's on us. Those abilities you have have been given to you by God. And all the blessings in your life, they all come from him. He's given us so much. Just look around at all the things he's blessed you with. You start to want to honor him in all the ways, and one's in your finances. You notice a desire to start giving to help further the kingdom. In the beginning, it's a little hard. As you're developing your relationship with Christ, it's a little hard in the beginning. Sometimes it's tough to let go of some money. There might have been some experiences that you've had previously that make you kind of tainted, but as you spend more time with Christ, he'll transform your heart. And as your relationship grows, you learn to trust him more and you start to release more of what he's already given you. At some point, you realize that we should honor and give to him first before anything else. You start realizing the money you give, it all came from him first, is helping to win souls for the kingdom and allowing others to develop a transformational relationship with Jesus. I liken it to the fact of if we were farmers here, and let's say we raised cucumbers, and we went ahead and had our harvest, and we decided we we're going to eat our cucumbers and take care of our family first and sell them to pay our bills and things like that, and then some of the cucumbers were left over and they start to rot, well, those are the ones that we give to God. How would you like to receive? Is that what you want? Or do you think he wants us to think about him first? When you have a generous heart, you begin storing your treasures in heaven. You begin storing your treasures in heaven and see God honors your faith. Pastor Ricky actually talked about this in November. Realize this, God is the one who provides the seed for the sowing and the bread to eat. He taught on uh, 2 Corinthians chapters eight and nine. If you get a chance, go back and re, uh, look, look at those uh, sermons again. God not only gives you the seed, he blesses it and he'll meet your needs. He even does more than that. He increases the seed for your sowing so you'll have even more to give. He'll increase the seed that you sowed so you'll have more to give. I'm gonna share a quick story as we start to wrap up and I'm gonna share a quick story of our community group. Uh, we had an individual in our community group who had really started to develop their relationship with Christ. And they really didn't want to give initially. It was kind of something that they just weren't comfortable with. They had some bad experiences before. So the more they spent time with the word and their hearts started to transform, they started let going of a little bit of their finances. 
And then recently, after Pastor Ricky's talk in November, they decided to go ahead and give first and increase their giving, give generously. You know what God did? Let me tell you, listen to this. What, how cool our God is. Within a couple days, that person got a raise at her job. Does it work for her? But that, I'm not, the point I'm just saying, that's how cool God is. She trusted him and God blessed her. So as we start to wrap up, I want to invite, well, Andrew, sorry, beat me here. <laughs> Read my mind. Um, as we really end, I'm pulling this together. I want to pull these scriptures together and just do a quick review. I want to picture all the aspects of our lives and how it would be affected if we put first things first. If you put Jesus first, how would that radically impact your family? How would it look if we as a group of believers here at Brave sought Jesus, pursued, and craved him first, how powerful would our services be? The electricity when we come in here would be off the charts. As we do this, as we chase after Jesus, our relationship with him, and he's transforming us, what type of impact can we have on our communities? We start out reaching to people. We can offer people hope. And do you realize as you transform, you don't even have to say things sometimes to people. People see something radiating from you, and they start asking you, what's different about you? Why don't you do this? Why haven't you done that? Well, this is, I noticed you're not using those type of words like everybody else does. I notice you don't think that way. What's different about you? You start to impact other people as you transform your, your relationship with Christ transform, and you can offer people, as we said early on, a new start, a fresh start. So as we leave here today, let's think about this. Do we really desire a more meaningful relationship with Jesus this year? Do we really want to grow closer to him? Do we want our children to grow closer to him? And parents, that's on us. We've got to set the example. And if this is so, what are we going to do differently with our schedules to put him first? There's going to be some really tough decisions for people. But I want to encourage you through prayer and meditating on the word and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, he'll help you with the changes that you need to make. So with that said, I want to go ahead and pray for everybody as we wrap up. If you don't mind bowing your heads. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the time we had today, Lord. Thank you for the church. Jesus, thank you for just coming into our lives. Thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you. What a, what a wonderful opportunity we have, Lord. Please don't let us squander this. Lord, please energize us. Pull us closely to you, Lord. Please, Lord, I pray that we have a hunger and thirst for your word, that we put your word first, Lord. And Lord, wherever there's people that have struggles with their scheduling or just getting time with you, Lord, put their heart at ease, Lord. Speak to them, guide them, wherever, wherever their time can be with you, Lord, but that they seek after you, that they think after you, that they think about you first, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you just continue to grow us as a people so we can touch other people. We love you, Lord. Thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.